Hey, Adam, you have a cool as hell job. How do I get to do what you get to do? That's a really good question. And today we're talking to Russell Holly to get at least part of the answer. It's the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. Welcome to the Benefit of a Dowd podcast. I'm your host, Adam Dowd, and this week we are talking to Russell Holly, who is the managing editor over at CNET. Before that, he was a manager over at Future, and he's actually the one who interviewed me before I started freelancing for Android Central. In short, he's hired a lot of people, so I wanted to ask him... What do you look for in a candidate as a hiring manager? Plus, we have an extended tech yeah item with Cliff Thomas talking about a connected 5G tablet from our friends at TCL. So Cliff and I sit down to chat about it, and if this sounds like it's a busy show, that's because it is, and we will get to all of that. But first, we have to get to the news of the week. With the metaverse now in full buzzword mode, thanks Facebook, there's a renewed interest in basically all things VR, and for that I can honestly say, thanks Facebook. So since the metaverse is trying so hard to be a thing, Motorola and Verizon got together, and no, those are not the first companies I think of when I think of VR, but anyway, they got together to make a 5G neckband for VR. It basically looks like a doorbell hanging from your neck with a super thick cable, and stay with me here, but... I kind of like it. See, one of the biggest issues with VR headsets is the weight. Putting something that weighs even just a pound and a half on your head can be very uncomfortable, especially when it rests on the bridge of your nose. But a neckband would allow a company to offload that weight lower onto your body, which would be better in theory for balance and for comfort. The only question that remains is, how much do the two screens and the frame that holds them together on your face weigh? But even offloading 20 to 30% of that weight could be a huge leap forward in VR comfort, and I'm okay with it, even if you do look like a modernized Flavor Flav. Because let's face it, people, VR headsets don't look much better, so I'm on board with this, and honestly, I hope other companies are taking a page from this book. Speaking of Meta, the crappy company run by terrible people, they rolled out a new slogan that goes like this. Meta, Meta Mates, and me. Now, there's a lot more to unpack from these three words than you can even realize, so we're going to start with the first thing to unpack. Meta Mates? The hell are Meta Mates? Well, it turns out if you work at Meta, congratulations, you're a metamate, and you can just imagine the whispered conversations at the meeting where that first came out. Wow, metamates, we're not going to call ourselves that, are we? Hey, great, Mark, that's such a great idea, what the hell? Oh, oh no, yeah, Mark, yeah, metamates, it's, it's really great. I'm never going to call you that. So there's that, but let's continue the discussion. The phrase, meta, metamates, me, likely refers to an old Navy phrase, which goes, ship, shipmates, self. Not nearly as catchy, but, you know, whatever. The idea of ship, shipmates, self likely refers to situations that you often see in movies where, in order to prevent the ship from sinking, a sailor has to slam the door on some fellow soldiers, locking them to their demise, but... 
you know, saving the ship. Less common, but you also get the not Penny's boat situations where a sailor has to lock himself or herself into a room to drown, saving the rest of the ship. Now, both of these are laudable and heroic, and oh, by the way, necessary, because when you're on the SS Minnow in the middle of the Atlantic, yeah, you need to save the ship if you want to, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh yeah, not die. But in a situation like working for a douchey company and its douchey executives who laugh at their employees all the way to the bank, yeah, the meta, meta mates me crap can go meta itself. In a world where people are starting to focus more on personal well-being than pouring blood, sweat, and tears into a company that would just as soon replace you with some kid out of college than give you a 2% raise in the face of 10% inflation, yeah, the company will never, ever, ever be put first, nor should it ever, ever, ever be put first. Because your company is not the only thing keeping you from drowning or getting eaten by sharks. There are other boats out there. Go find one and get the hell off the SS Meta because I promise you, they do not care about you nearly as much as you care about you. On the Vergecast, Neelay Patel was talking about the EU antitrust legislation against Google that said that Google must allow users to choose a search engine as if anyone would ever pick Bing over Google. <laughs> Am I right? Well, it turns out that that's not such a crazy thing because Neelay put out a call to Vergecast listeners asking if any listeners actively use Bing. And it turns out there are some out there who do. Who'd have thunk it? Well, who are these people? And... Who hurt them? It turns out that many folks that use Bing are just Microsoft users. Either they use Windows or they used to use Windows Phone. Some confess that they just want to stick it to Google. They don't want Google to get all their data, but somehow they're okay with Microsoft getting it. Okie dokie. Still, others use Bing so that they can get rewards. That's right, kids. Don't forget that Microsoft actually pays you for using its search engine. Using Bing gets you points that you can redeem towards gift cards and the like. Most actually use it to get points to pay for Game Pass, and I'll be straight with you, if there was ever a reason to use Bing, this is probably it. To be honest, I accidentally use Bing every now and then, and the results aren't terrible. They're just not the best, but they're usually not bad. I hearken back to my days as a Windows Phone user and getting directed multiple times to businesses that were closed permanently as part of the reason why I'm a Google head these days. Oh, and I'm an Android fan and I use Google Homes all the time. To be honest, I contemplated doing a I used Bing search for a month and this is how it went article for digital trends, but honestly, it would be too much of a pain in the ass to switch everything over to Bing and by the way, that's the crux of the EU's argument and well-played EU. So if you're a Bing user, be proud and know that you're not alone. There are others of you out there. Now it's true that's mostly because Microsoft pays them, but they're still out there. Remember a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the race between Blue Origin and SpaceX and how, in my humble opinion, SpaceX was winning because they're actually, you know, doing something up there as opposed to just launching celebrities on top of a giant dick to just the tip of space? Also, do you remember several weeks ago when SpaceX actually sent a crew of four commercial astronauts on a three-day jaunt around the world with a broken toilet? Ooh, I forgot about that part. Well, SpaceX is doing it again with the same billionaire in tow, but with a fixed toilet this time. In theory. Boy, that was a long setup for this news story. Anyway, Jared Isaacman, the proprietor of the first Crew Dragon, will not be deterred by a little floating space poop because he's going back 
three more times, including the flight on SpaceX's Starship whenever the hell it decides it wants to land without blowing up. The next mission will be called Polaris Dawn and will go even higher into space and include the first ever commercial spacewalk. Okay, I'll admit, riding on top of a space dick it's kind of cool. Riding the Crew Dragon module the size of my office with four other people in a broken toilet for three days? Honestly, it's pretty amazing. But a spacewalk? Wowza. That's getting pretty cool. And by the way, suck it, Bezos. Plus, at the press conference announcing these ventures, Musk added, quote, There's going to be some future announcements that I think people will be pretty fired up about, and I'm fairly sure he was not referring to a tweet comparing the Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to Hitler, which, yeah, that's also a thing that happened this week. And don't even get me started on that. We're just going to move on. 9to5Google uncovered some code in Android 13 that looks to enable a pretty neat feature you might have been waiting for. This is a Pixel-exclusive service that lets you stream phone apps to your PC, whether it's a Chromebook, Windows PC, or Mac. And there's a few reasons why this is cool. It's true that you can just install Android apps on your Chromebook now, and you soon will be able to on your Windows PC, but this is a feature that would work on Macs as well, and that's pretty cool for those of you who are toting a MacBook and an Android phone. That's right, all three of you. It's also cool because streaming an app to your computer would not require you to install the app on the device, nor would it require a login. Basically, the app is just going to come up in a virtual window and do everything it does on your phone, but you know, on your PC. And that's pretty cool, and this is usually the part where I point out that I've had the ability to run Android apps on my computer for a while now, with things like Samsung phones and your phone for Windows, but I have yet to find a solid use case where I would actually want to. Chat apps are about the extent that I'd want to do that because if you're tap tap tapping away on your keyboard and your wife chimes in and you don't necessarily want to grab your phone and reply, you can do it on the same screen you've been staring at for the last eight hours. All the same, this is one of those have it and not need it situations, so I'm not going to complain. This could turn out to be a pretty cool thing, even though it looks to be a Pixel exclusive feature. Staying on the Google train, let's talk a little bit about Chrome OS Flex. In 2020, Google bought up a company called Neverware, who developed software called Cloud Ready, which basically installed open source Chrome OS onto crappy PCs to make them run better. Now that has grown into Chrome OS Flex, which is a free version of Chrome OS that you can install on your PC or you can boot to it from a flash drive if you, you know, want to try to take it for a spin first. The idea here is that your old PC or Mac could turn into a pretty sweet little Chromebook and extend its life even further, which is a win for everyone, especially Google since you'll be using its ecosystem and not Bing, rewards be damned. What I like about this is the versatility of Chrome OS Flex. You can run it on a thumb drive if you don't want to pull the trigger on wholesale replacing your operating system. Plus, it's good for the environment, potentially preventing old PCs from ending up in the old trash heap. Overall, this is a positive, and stay tuned because a future episode might just talk about this in a lot more detail. Electric vehicles have one big problem. They're 
big. And not so much that they're big, but they're heavy. Sometimes they're as much as 25% heavier or more compared to their combustion equivalents. Now, think about the United States crumbling infrastructure and how are you feeling about driving that Prius over the bridge now, Snowflake? But if you wanted to take that thing to an absurd level, well, right this way, Mr. Schwarzenegger, because Hummer is going electric, and according to The Verge, the battery on the Hummer, the battery alone, weighs more than a Honda Civic. In total, the Hummer will weigh in at a ridiculous 9,063 pounds, or just over four and one-half tons, and just what the truck... And look, the battery weighing more than another car is a cute headline, but this is a serious problem that needs to be addressed because we're going back to that same crumbling infrastructure and putting a lot more weight on it. Considering the Ford F-150 Lightning, which weighs in at a whopping 35% more than its combustion equivalent, it's a well-established fact on this podcast that 10% of anything is significant whether it goes up or whether it goes down well now let's put 35 percent more weight on all of our collective roads and that's not good grasshopper and the verge is quick to point out that this doesn't even factor in the extra amount of road rage driving around in a 9,000 pound penis can engender wait adam did you just say penis yes i said penis these trucks are nothing more than compensation why do you think they're called hummers try to keep up snowflake I don't know if you're a fan of Serial or the other podcasts that come from Serial Productions, such as S-Town or the recently released Trojan Horse Affair, but you should be because they're really good. And in honor of Serial Productions, I've got my own Serial Production here. Here goes. Forty-five years ago, Apple released the Apple One computer, which by today's standards was laughable. It was built out of a wooden box and it ran on a processor that would short-circuit at the thought of sending an email today. But it is a collector's item regardless. On the back of the original circuit boards were hand-numbered serial numbers, and for over four decades, that mystery has persisted. Just who numbered those circuit boards? Through the years, the founders were interrogated. Steve Wozniak denied writing the numbers, as did Steve Jobs. Daniel Kotke, who originally assembled some of the computers, also denied writing them. Some speculated that the owner of the store who originally ordered the first 50 computers must have done it. But Paul Terrell claimed innocence, which makes sense because the first 80 boards were labeled, not just the first 50. This year, the curator of the Apple One registry, which is apparently a thing, Akeem Baquet decided to finally solve this riddle. So he gathered two Apple One computers, which by the way are valued at $500,000 at auction, and flew from Germany to Los Angeles, and you can bet he did not check those computers. Hell no. But he teamed up with PSA, which is a handwriting authentication firm typically responsible for authenticating signatures on sports memorabilia. After three months of painstaking analysis of various handwriting characteristics including slant, flow, pen pressure, and letter size, they were able to conclusively prove Steve Jobs did it, and that makes all the sense in the world. 
And finally, you know how you can go to Disney World and spend a ridiculous amount of money on park admission and park hotels and park food? Well, what about all those people that are sitting around thinking to themselves, you know, I'm really enjoying all these $4 Cokes, but how can I pay $4 for a Coke at home, too? Well, Disney has an answer for you. Disney will build you a home and you can move right in. Alongside all of your favorite Disney enthusiasts, Disney is planning to build a community called Story Living by Disney in California. That is exactly what it sounds like. It's 1,900 housing units in a city called Cotino that surrounds a 24-acre oasis lake shopping, dining, entertainment, a beachfront hotel, and a clubhouse which will feature Disney programming year-round. Pardon me while I go vomit in my mouth a little bit. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm all about Disney. Yes, it's criminally expensive, but it's also, top to bottom, one of the best experiences that you can have in an amusement park. Like, Disney is not really my thing. I like thrill rides, and most of the roller coasters at Disney rank a solid cute, with maybe the occasional Whoa! But when I go to a park like Universal Studios and hear the screaming, I know I'm home. Anyway, speaking of homes, I suppose if you're one hundo on the Disney train, this might be something to consider, though I suspect housing costs will compete strongly with New York City and San Francisco. We're going to have to wait and see, but if this is truly the curated Disney experience that it suggests, I could easily see some exorbitant prices there. If you followed my suggestion last week and looked up the Disney World season passes, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, if this is for you, congratulations and welcome to it. As for me, I'm going to stay in my nice, relatively inexpensive Chicago suburb. Thank you very much. Backend, application, API, bugs, attachment, DevOps, backend, frameworks, backward, compiling, orienting, natural language, software, blue text editor, book margin, Boolean web server. Welcome to Tech Yeah! This week for Tech Yeah, we're trying something a little bit different. Cliff Thomas has been testing out the TCL Tab Pro 5G in his rural town of Iron Gate, Virginia, and he has some thoughts to share about the Tab 5G. And normally we do, uh, uh, normally we do a, nor- uh, a normal review on this, but this is the type of thing that he felt would be better if we did a uh, little back and forth on it. So, Cliff, tell us about the Tab Pro. 5G from TCL. So I reached out to TCL and said, can I please review your tablet? And they said, sure, here you go. And they sent me an awesome reviewer's kit. Thank you very much, TCL. Very uh, cool. My wife is enjoying the refrigerator bag that was included as part of it. I don't know if we want to include this or not. but You got a refrigerator bag? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, that. that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Cool. TCL is so great with their media kits. Yeah, their media <laughs> kit was... The funniest part of the media kit was actually all this, because it was definitely supposed to be like uh, something you take on a picnic, so they included like almonds and raisins and oh, an fun. energy bar and some other fun stuff. So, yeah, it was really neat. Cool. And I think that's actually the idea with this tablet, because it is a mobile tablet that is exclusive to Verizon. Yeah. Okay. And it's pushing Verizon's 5G network, including ultra wideband. So it does have ultra wideband support. Does it so have the you, Does it have the midband 5G support? I'm I curious. I don't know. I'm. Sh- that's okay. a really good question because this was yeah. launched before midband. It was. I think that's, it was. That'll yeah. be an interesting question. So 
We'll look into it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, actually, because that, that honestly is probably a lot more available than... Because there's definitely no ultra-wideband around here, that's for sure. I have yet yeah. to see uh, 5G uh, on Verizon where I live at all. So, Not surprising. Not surprising I've been where you live. This <laughs> is true. A few times. So yeah, what I like about this tablet, the TCL Tab Pro 5G, first of all, it's a really manageable size. The screen size, as it has listed by TCL, is actually kind of funny. It's 10.36 inches. Very specific. Uh, right. Internally, you've got an 8,000 milliamp hour battery. You've got a Snapdragon 480, which is kind of the, at least in the North American market, if you if you don't have like a, oh, like a dimensity uh, from... Uh, MediaTek. From MediaTek, this is what you're going to see if, if the phone or or a tablet is... is That's your is budget processor, basically. Yeah, exactly. For, it's the budget, your budget 5G, your budget 5G, pro- 5G, budget 5G processor. processor. Um, four gigabytes of RAM. We'll get into that a little bit later. And TCL's awesome LCD screen uh, with what I believe it's called Next Vision, mm-hmm. which uh, does uh, SD up to HDR, which is really nice. And okay. honestly, I think that's really what's what this tablet is meant for is media consumption. I think that's why uh, media consumption on the go in the case of this, because it does have integrated 5G. So I was like, uh, let's talk about the design for a little bit. Stereo speakers. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the cameras? <laughs> I'm not sure I how mean, people... You can. I don't care. but and I don't you know, know how much nobody... our, our listeners care about it, but it does have a 13 megapixel camera on the back and an 8 megapixel on the front. So, yeah, you can take pictures of it just like you can with uh, most tablets. I would not recommend it as, as something that you want to keep, but it is nice on a pinch. I think it is good if you're trying to do like a duo call or something like that. It's nice right. to have it for that. Uh, long battery life. That, that is one of the hallmarks of, of the Snapdragon 480. And then this is the kind of tablet I can sit it down and pick it up a month later. And it's probably, if, it, if I had it at close to full charge before, it's probably still going to have like 60 or 70%. Uh, as long as I don't have it connected to, I, I guess, the mobile network, which I don't because uh, I don't have a Verizon subscription, so I couldn't actually use this on the network. I should, we should probably make that little asterisk there. <laughs> but that's okay. So I, I neglected to mention it. Uh, the display is uh, FHD plus, so a nice resolution, especially considering mm-hmm. the, uh, the size of the display. It, it, it honestly kind of reminds me if you if you, our listeners are old enough to have used a Nexus Seven. Uh, okay. In terms of the size, it's maybe a little bit larger, but it's that it's that if if you've had to, if you've had to use like a twelve inch tablet from like Samsung or something, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it, but it's definitely more of a you don't exit you don't take it off of your couch or away from your bed right often. Yeah. this i can actually like carry around okay and 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 it's a nice like um secondary display from when you're watching tv and you want to consume stuff it's really not uh any heavier than than a chunky phone i mean it, it probably is but you know in terms of like you being able to hold it i don't i don't really feel like there's that much difference so i i really like i keep going back to this but the size of the tablet is one of my favorite things about it it's also got a finish on the back that is it, it it looks like it's supposed to be metallic. I would show it, but since we're this is a since this is an, an audio, audio podcast, podcast, it probably yep. doesn't help at all. But it's ridged, and so it gives you a little bit of grippiness. Oh, nice! Uh, this is okay, a, this is a tablet that I I uh, I feel comfortable using uh, without having a case on it. Okay, uh, TCL was nice enough to include a uh, screen protector from Zag, which uh, oh, nice. Yeah, that is nice. Friends and, and of the, the show, Zag. Friends of the show, Zag. I I actually feel like it's a little uh, 
more fingerprint resistant without the uh, without the screen protector on it, but it is nice to always have that as a, a little bit of added protection, especially since I am uh, going caseless. Let's see. Ballsy. Yeah. You know, it's a fun yeah. fact about um, Verizon devices in general, but de- Verizon uh, devices, uh, spe- Verizon phones and tablets specifically. Well, what's got- that, Adam? I did a uh, I did a tech yeah on a TCL tab uh, not too long ago, it, it, which actually is about the size of a Nexus Seven, um, but this is also a five G tab or four G tablet. I think um, it's just a connected tablet, um, right. but it is a Verizon exclusive. But I've got my T Mobile SIM in there, and it works. Oh, I might actually have to throw that in because I've got the data only SIM for my. Uh from Google Fi? From Google Fi. I might have to try that then. Try that. So, I, I you know, I didn't even think to mention that before because, you know, you mentioned, oh, I don't have Verizon around here. That's a good point. But, um, but yeah, so, like, most Verizon devices, they can be locked to, to Verizon, but they're not actually locked. You can hmm. put it whatever SIM you want into them. I heard that, God, it was like three or four years ago. I don't remember how I heard it or who I heard it from, but that was back in the day when devices used to launch exclusively on carriers. You remember that? Oh, um, yes. Still <laughs> so happens every once in a while. It still happens every once in a while. But yeah, so I learned that with most Verizon devices, you could just pop in a SIM from whatever carrier and it'll just work. So I do remember just, that. That was something that they weren't good at in the early, like, uh, 20 aughts or 20 well yeah in the 2010s but that was something that they adopted and i think a lot of it is because people take uh their phones internationally mm-hmm. and that's something yeah. that verizon's always been really good at supporting and so i think that has a lot to do with it so yeah so Especially anyway since if i'm getting ready to go on a road yeah. i'm yeah so I'm, I'm getting ready to go on a road trip so I, I think i might actually just give it a try just to see what it's like test that um, out and we'll put the results in the show notes <laughs> i did mention it's got stereo speakers and they sound really good it yeah. again as a media consumption device that's very important to me because That's I mean, key. yeah. What honestly do we do with tablets these days? Especially, this isn't exactly a a, a barn burner in terms of performance. A Snapdragon five uh, or 480, 480 with four gigabytes of RAM. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's fine for watching uh, streaming content and the like. But I'm definitely not going to be doing any video editing with this. At least not comfortably. Not that you probably should. Um, something I will say, I. I've actually said this about the last TCL phone I reviewed. And I'm going to say the same thing here. And it's actually a little worse on one front. Because TCL, with their first line of of, uh, smartphones that they released in the United States that were under their brand, came with 6 gigabytes of RAM, which was really nice in a a budget device. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like it gave them that extra little bit of pep. And then with their 20 series, at least with the one that I I think it was the 20S that I reviewed, it only had four. And that was a pain point for me because I definitely could feel the difference. And I, I, I really wish, especially on a larger screen device like this, that they had included more than six gigabytes of RAM. More and, than six or more than four? Well, I'm sorry, more than four gigabytes of RAM. At least okay. six. I would I would not be expecting eight. You know, sure. Not, not with sure. something like this, but but six would have been nice. Right. Um, not doing a ton of multitasking, but, you know, I, I not that I, I would really feel it bogged down, but it just it, it would be a little more fluid as far as the UI is concerned, a little more snappy. Yeah. Totally, and, and especially because because it is a Verizon branded device, you have a lot of Verizon stuff running in the background that you, I mean, you can you can disable it, um, mm-hmm. but you cannot delete it. And sometimes they have a habit of reactivating themselves if you get like a an OS update or something like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, so and I don't think you mentioned this, but the, this is a sixty four gigabyte tablet. Sixty four right? gigabytes of storage. Yes. 
Okay. And um, it retails on Verizon for three ninety nine ninety nine. How are you feeling about that price point? I think it's excellent, and I'm sure. Okay. Uh, like a, like a lot of uh, Verizon promos, that you could probably get this for a lesser price if you were like upgrading a line or something. A lot of times they'll they'll mm-hmm. throw you a bone as far as a a discounted tablet, and I think it's well worth the price. Like honestly, I feel like if this wasn't a five G tablet, maybe. I'd expect more like three forty nine, but considering everything that it offers, it's well worth it, especially with the display being as good as it is because it is a TCL display with the next vision mm-hmm. technology. And so uh, a very bright, vibrant screen that supports HDR. In yeah. fact, I think it even supports uh, Netflix with that, um, okay. which is nice. I'm trying to, there was something. Oh, the other thing I mentioned that's sort of a pain point for me that's even exacerbated by the fact that it's a Verizon device. And that was not a case with the first generation unlocked TCL phone that I tested was that there's a lot more bloatware on it than there used yeah. to be. Some of yeah. that is Verizon, but a lot of it is just a bunch of pre-installed games that I don't want. Candy um, Crush. Can't, yes, amongst others. Yeah. I understand with a lower price device that, that you make up some of the margins with agreements with uh, app providers. You know, you yep. make a little bit uh, uh, of money on that. But it's just w- when TCL has such an, a, a nice um, a nice skin on top of Android that, it, it, I mean, because this is, because this is uh, like, I guess it's a 9 by 16 device. I mean, it really is like using a big phone. Mm-hmm. And so the, the user experience is very similar um, to using one of their phone devices that they haven't really changed that much. Okay. And, and uh you know, for better or worse, just having all that extra stuff in the background might slow it down a little bit. And so I, I wish that yeah. I, I wish it didn't have that. Not a big deal, especially considering the price. But it is something to consider, especially okay. when some of them are not deletable. But overall, right. I've really enjoyed using this tablet. Um, it's something that I've used probably two or three times a week because uh, you know I do have a child, and so uh, you know sometimes I just barricade myself into the room. <laughs> Yep, and enjoy watching. You. Right, exactly. One thing I'm not sure about, and I, I, I'm guessing that there are some accessories for this that I have not seen. I don't see it in uh, any of the press materials that they sent because it has a pogo pens. So oh, it does uh, on it. So I'm guessing there's a dock. Maybe that maybe if it's offered in like China or something, there's some version of this tablet you mm. can get like a dock for it, kind of like what Lenovo offers. But I, could I have that. no idea what it's for. <laughs> And I just every time I every time I pick it up and I feel that you know just just the little the little pins on I'm like what are you for I wish I knew. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, what are so like overall? I think that's uh, you know what are well, your what are your final thoughts there? Because we gotta. We gotta I, I think we'll wrap. It sure. So a nicely sized, uh, decently performant tablet with a great screen, stereo speakers, and the ability to connect it uh, on the go. And it Excellent. is definitely a tablet you can throw in, into your, especially with the screen protector I have on it, something you could just throw into your backpack and not worrying about good. scratching or dinging it up because it is definitely made well. I forgot to mention the build on it is really good. No creaking. Feel just feels very solid. So, yeah, I, I, nice. I would I would definitely recommend it, especially if you can get it, um, like I mentioned earlier, on like, uh, you know, you upgrade your phone and then they say, hey, if you had good a line, deal. you can get this for like 100 bucks or free. It is definitely yeah. worth it for that. Great. 
Cool. Well, thank you very much, Cliff, for taking the time to check that out. Go ahead and try that sim while you're traveling tomorrow. Yes. Let's see uh, what's going on with that. And like I said, we'll update the show notes with our findings on that. So that's going to do it for our mini review of the TCL Tab Pro 5G. In our next installment of Pulling Back the Curtain, which is still a working title on this series, even though I've done about five different episodes of it at this point, but in this next installment, I want to find out what it takes to actually get into this industry to, like, you know, kind of break through and to actually, you know, start earning money for what you uh, what you love to do or what you might love to do. So to that end, I am with Russell Holly, who is a managing editor over at CNET, and I want to ask him... As a hiring manager, Russell, what do you look for in a candidate? So, first of all, Russell, welcome to the podcast. And second of all, what do you look for in a, in a candidate hey, as thanks. a hiring manager? Yeah, so, you know, as, as a hiring manager, the, uh, the most important thing to me by far is demonstrating your passion for the topic at hand. Um, now okay. I work in an industry that very much hires people to work in beats, you know, so we have a, you know, we have a TV team and we have a home, uh, you know, security team and we have a VPN team and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. and I, I'm not expecting you to show up to the, to the meeting with your favorite VPN company tattooed onto your face. Um, but it's, it's a really good idea to just be extremely knowledgeable about the topic at hand have an opinion on something don't don't kind of waffle back and forth it, it may not be my opinion and that's great um you know having having kind of a, a difference there is uh, is a good thing as long as you can back it up with you know kind of data and and how you got there um th but yeah that that's what it really comes down to for me is a lot of people apply for for things um and and i almost always look for the people that seem the most interested in in you know kind of exploring whatever that topic is uh, you know, deeper and more passionately than than I would be able to. And, and so, how would that how would that come across? Like in uh, you know, you're as a hiring manager, you put out a job posting, and you probably get a hundred or so resumes like flooding to your inbox. Are you looking at cover letters there? Are you looking at resumes? Are you looking at bullet points? What's what? Where where do you find that passion? So I, it'll start with a cover letter, um, you know, definitely interested in, in your history. And it's important that uh, when, I, when I say that, I'm not actually talking about your job history. Um, I yeah. hire a lot of people who have never actually professionally done the thing that they do for me now. Um, mm. Because in their cover letter, they, they seemed enthusiastic. And in their, uh, their body of work, be it uh, professional or otherwise, they demonstrate a, a knowledge uh, on, on the topic. Uh, and then I will very quickly do, you know, kind of a, a quick in-person interview to, to go over the, the job at hand and to, to kind of discuss the position a little further. Um, that might be a little unique for me as a hiring manager, um, just, just as, a, mm -hmm. as a fair warning. I know that there are a lot of hiring managers who, uh, you know, kind of look for what they consider the, the most qualified. Um, the, the funny thing is that uh, writing as an industry, you know, kind of the, the journalism part of it, uh, it's kind of hard to build experience until you've got experience, right? But right. Uh, but but everyone's got passion. 
um, you know, everyone everyone gets excited about a thing. So so finding the people who are genuinely excited about a topic is often more important to me than their their work history. Um, so it, it doesn't really matter where you've gotten it written down. You could have a, a Substack that has five followers. You could have a live journal that you've written on for the last fifteen years. You could have you know just a, a medium uh, you know channel that you have posted things to. Um, you know it doesn't matter how many people have read it. It just matters that you have written it down and that I can read it and and you know mm-hmm. kind of gauge how excited you are about a topic. Um, okay. You know, and I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, we, we work in an industry where um, being aware of who the leaders in that industry are and having some kind of contact with them uh, helps. Um, yeah. You know, the, being able to, and, and uh, that's, that's kind of a, another, you know, you can't have experience until you've got experience situation. Is a lot of those people won't talk to you until you're somebody. Um, right. You know, so, uh, you know, the, the one thing that I can say there is when it comes to developing industry contacts separate from your job, you just don't give up. You just keep reaching out to them and you're like, hey, I'm doing this. I'd really like to work with you on this. Hey, I'm, you know, they're going to say no to you a thousand times. They only need to say yes to you once. And right. once they say yes to you and you do a thing and they like the thing, they keep working with you. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really what it just it, it is unfortunate. <laughs> but what I am actively uh, encouraging you to do is uh, is spend a lot of time proving that you are excited about a thing uh, in order to to get hired in this industry. Gotcha. And, you know, actually, it occurs to me as you were saying this that when I'm talking to you, this kind of completes the circle because now I've spoken with both Cam Summerson, who has fired me in this industry, and Russell Holly, who has actually hired me in this industry. That's so right. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all full circle. So, like, um, what are... What are some definite don'ts when it comes to like, you know, trying to get a job with Russell Holly? Like what are some things that some candidates will do that just rub you the wrong way or is just an insta insta delete? I'm not interested in negativity at all. Um, if, if we come into an interview and I'm hiring you for, uh, you know, uh, an Xbox writer position, I don't need you to uh-huh. shit on PlayStation. Um, okay. you know, if, uh, if, if you're coming in and you're really excited about, uh, Android phones and, and you, uh, have strong opinions about Google, but don't, but have, uh, you know, kind of, uh, not positive opinions about Samsung, I'm, I'm not interested in the negativity. I'm not saying mm-hmm. don't be critical of, uh, of these organizations because every company deserves, uh, you know, skepticism and criticism, uh, sure. especially these days when they've, they've done such a good job of proving that they're worthy of it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, but, but like out and out negativity is unproductive and not something that I, I look for in a hire. So that's kind of like an immediate turnoff for me. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so are there any like tips that you could, uh, give and, 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 and I don't necessarily mean to get a job from you, but just in general, if, if someone looks to break into this industry, what, what would be a good place to start? I mean, should they write for free for a couple of years or you know, what's, what would be like your, your 30 second elevator pitch to how to get in this industry? Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be kind of a heartbreaking thing for a lot of people to hear. Um, you should never, ever, ever work for free. Um, there is a difference between, uh, writing for yourself and building an audience, uh, that is, that is coming to see you and not getting paid to do that versus, Mm -hmm. um, 
working with someone else um, and and you know giving them the ad revenue that they are they are then not sharing with you. Um, okay. If if you are um, if you are working with a team that cannot pay you, they they shouldn't have a website. Um, I know that there are friends in this industry where that is kind of a painful thing to hear, um, but you are always worthy of being paid something for your work. Um, okay. So I would say, you know, go and do this thing and, uh, and, and just, you know, reach out to as many people as possible with the understanding that you may not be paid a ton at first, but you should never be paid nothing. All right. Well, Russell Holly, thank you so much for jumping on with me. I know that you have a very hard deadline in like a minute and a half. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, say thanks for coming on. And, um, you know, you can find him, Russell Holly, on Twitter and Cantina. What is it? Yeah. Cantina Kitchen on TikTok. Cantina Kitchen on Instagram and the TikTok. So, Russell, thank you again for coming on and we'll have you on again sometime. Yeah, man. Thanks a bunch. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'd like to thank Russell Holly from CNET for coming on and talking all about breaking into this industry. Please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review of this show. And you can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. Once again, that's ratethispodcast.com slash benefit. You can write to the show by visiting benefitofadow.com slash contact. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving me the benefit of the doubt.